Without God, we are empty and we are very much alone as a human race and as, as any individual on this planet. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible because we believe it to be the Word of God. And God is the most important thing that we could ever discover. So we're going to study that today. It's going to be very interesting. Corey and Ryan are here to help us with reports, Corey. Today I'm going to be taking a look at the Babylonian exile and specifically the different waves of the Babylonian exile. Ryan? Today we read about the Israelites running to Egypt and when most of us think about Egypt we can't help but think about, about the pyramids. But did you know that there are lots of pyramids and pyramid-like structures found way beyond Egyptian borders? We're going to talk about it. Very good. Look forward to that. Janice? Today the Word of God stands. All right, get your Bible guide and your Bible out and let's study what God has said to us today as we open up to Jeremiah chapter 44. Jeremiah 44, verses 1 through 10. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwell in the land of Egypt who dwell at Migdal, at Tephanes, at Noth, and in the country of Pathros, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, You have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and on all the cities of Judah. And behold, this day they are a desolation, and no one dwells in them because of their wickedness, which they have committed to provoke me to anger, in that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they did not know, they, nor you, nor your fathers. However, I have sent to you all my servants the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, O oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. But they did not listen, or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness, to burn no incense to other gods. So my fury and my anger were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem, and they are wasted and desolate as it is this day. Now therefore thus says the Lord the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Why do you commit this great evil against yourselves, to cut off from you man and woman, child and infant, out of Judah, leaving none to remain, in that you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to other gods in the land of Egypt, where you have gone to dwell, that you may cut yourselves off and be a curse and a reproach among all the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of their wives, your own wickedness, and the wickedness of your wives, which they committed in the land of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem. They have not been humbled to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes that I set before you and your fathers." Jeremiah chapter 44, verses 1 through 10. It's 
Today we read Jeremiah 41, 42, 43, and 44, four chapters in the book. And as we read this, it's very interesting. Now, there is a condition so deadly that it only takes our life from us, but also gives us no hope, no hope for the afterlife. This condition is very simple, three-letter word called sin, S-I-N. Sin is doing what God has told us not to do. Sin separates us from God. Some of us resist God or even the idea that there is a God. Some of us resist God because we do not believe in him, despite all the evidence in creation. Others reject God and the Bible because we feel we can never really live up to what God demands of us. For some of us, our only ideal life is that we should eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. All of these views are missing a very important, obvious factor. There is a guaranteed way to make our lives right with God. We can put our sinful lives into the hand of someone who can forgive us and help us and be right with God. Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, can and will forgive our sins if we truly come to him. He will help and heal us as we follow him. Accepting Jesus Christ or Yeshua HaMashiach as Lord, Elohim, changes the condition of our heart. And suddenly when God looks at us now, he doesn't see us, he sees Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Very interesting, I'll tell you. And uh, as we focus on today, we're going to look at a condition of the heart. And this, of course, is Jeremiah chapter 44. Take your Bible guide and turn to it as we do so. If you don't have a Bible guide, why not? Write for yours or call. That's faster. The fastest way is to go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com and click on the page. It'll take you to a donate spot. Thank you so much for your donations. We very much appreciate them right now. And Father, we pray for all our partners to help them. And we continue to pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand the conditions of our heart. Help us to realize that sin is not something that we just give into, but your Holy Spirit, when we invite Jesus Christ into our life, comes into our life and helps us when we begin to run away from sin. It helps us, Lord. Father, I pray today that we would learn to run away from sin and to let your Holy Spirit do its work. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen. Now, some of you who love the Lord are going to learn from this. Some of you who don't love the Lord, have not invited Jesus Christ into your heart, are going to think I'm crazy, and that's okay. But I invited Jesus Christ into my heart when I was 14 years old, years ago, 46 years ago. And I want to tell you something. It is exciting. And I'll tell you something. In that relationship with God, the Holy Spirit has helped me. and Everything that's been done wrong has been done by me. God never did anything wrong. Let's look at his scripture, which he wrote to you and to me. It says in Jeremiah 44, 1-5, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the Jews who dwell in the land of Egypt, who dwell at Migdal, at Tathanes, at Noph, and the country of Pathros, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, you have seen all the calamity that I have brought on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judea. 
And behold, this day they are a desolation, and no one dwells in them because of their wickedness which they have committed to provoke me to anger, in that they went to burn incense and to serve other gods whom they did not know, they nor you nor your fathers. However, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them, saying, Oh, do not do this abominable thing that I hate. But they did not listen or incline their ear to turn from their wickedness to burn no incense to other gods. Without God, we are lost, empty, and alone. Without God, we are lost, we are empty, and we are alone. When we accept and follow Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, as Lord, we are made right with God. Let me tell you something. There is no better place to be than right with God. Everybody talks about the will of God. You know what the will of God is? That we're right with Him. How can you be right with the Lord? That's impossible. No, it's not impossible. God has given us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Being right with God, 1 John 5, 11, 12, and 13. Being right with God is very important. And we can come to Jesus Christ and know that. Jeremiah continues in this verse, 44, verse 6. So my fury and my anger were poured out and kindled in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. And they are wasted and desolate as it is this day. Second point. Destruction in the world is because of our sin. We try to make it better, but we cannot. With Jesus Christ, all things are possible. A lot of people would think that destruction comes from this party or that political party or this. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Destruction comes from our hearts. If we are Christians, we will pray for our government, whether we like them or not. If we are Christians, we'll pray for other governments, whether we like them or not. We'll pray, oh God, help us, forgive us and help us. We'll pray. And prayer is so important. In Revelation chapter 5, prayer is before God on a regular basis. Change is the scent of heaven. Prayer is never ignored. Honest prayer from his saints. Very, very important. Now let's get on with this because this is great. Jeremiah 44, 7 to 10. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, why do you commit this great evil against yourselves to cut off from you man and woman, child and infant out of Judah, leaving none to remain in that you provoke me to wrath with the works of your hands, burning incense to other gods of Egypt, where you've gone to dwell that you may cut yourselves off and curse and a reproach among the nations of the earth. Have you forgotten the wickedness of your fathers, the wickedness of the kings of Judah, the wickedness of your wives, the wickedness of the wickedness of your wives, you which, which they committed in the land of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem. They have not been humble to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or my statutes that I have set before you and your fathers. Brings me to the third point. We cannot fulfill 
the calling of God on our lives without the Lord. Can't be done. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can make us holy as the Holy Spirit comes into our lives when we accept and when we follow him. Only the Holy Spirit. Invite Jesus into your life to be Lord. He died on the cross, paid for sin, rose again on the third day, and the Holy Spirit will come in. Hi, Rod Hember here. We go through the Bible every year from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Now you can join us and watch at the time you like by searching Bible Discovery TV on the Roku box or on Amazon Fire TV. Anytime you want to watch us, we're there. Get a hold of it. Watch us anytime you want to. Today, I wanted to take some time to look at the Babylonian exile itself. So we know, at, you know, at this point in the scripture, the, the Judeans have gone into exile, their, their final exile. And that was typified by the Babylonians coming in and destroying Jerusalem and the temple and taking the, the last and final wave of exiles to Babylon, to a different land. But, you know, when we look carefully in the Bible and when we look into history, we can see that there were actually a few waves of Babylonian exile before the destruction of Jerusalem even occurred. Uh, and some very famous people were taken to Babylon in two different areas uh, because of those different waves of exile. So let's focus on that right now. The last generation of Judeans lived in Judah before the final forced submission of its capital city, Jerusalem. Judah's takeover by Babylon was exemplified by the violent destruction of Jerusalem's walls and the beloved Jerusalem temple, but had been heralded in by a series of military losses to Babylon with corresponding deportations of Judean citizens to other lands controlled by the Babylonian Empire. These deported citizens became known as exiles. The first wave of exiles deported to the Babylonian Empire followed the famous Battle of Carchemish, with Babylon winning against Assyria and Egypt. After this battle, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, sent his military to Jerusalem to subdue Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, who was reigning in Jerusalem. Jehoiakim complied and sent the first wave of Judean exiles as trophies to Nebuchadnezzar, including the young and intelligent prophet Daniel. Also famous among the ranks of exiles is Jehoiachin, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah. King Jehoiachin's exile was not only symbolic of the ultimate control that Babylon could and would exercise over Judah, but also became a key date used by later exiles to number their years by. This exile of Jehoiachin is remembered as the second wave of exiles to Babylon and included much more than one man. The Bible records that along with Jehoiachin, his entire royal family and court were taken, treasures from the temple, fighting men, and skilled workmen and craftsmen. Amongst the officials of Judah taken to Babylon in this second exile was the prophet Ezekiel. 
The third deportation of Judeans into the Babylonian exile occurred shortly following the destruction of Jerusalem. After launching one final revolt against the Babylonians, King Zedekiah of Judah met his fate as an exile, marched off to Babylon with many fellow countrymen. You know, it's really easy to read through Jeremiah and even 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles and uh, the, the accounts of the Babylonian exile and the Babylonian invasion and, and just kind of skip over how bad it really could have been and it really was when you really set, sit with the information and let it settle with you and, and when you look at how many waves of exile there, there were. Uh, you know, how bad it got before the end really came, uh, then a lot of the narrative that we see in Jeremiah makes sense. A lot of the, the vitriol and the hatred towards Jeremiah and his message of surrender towards Babylon uh, begins to make sense because of just how tense and just how tragic this time period in history really was. Very, very interesting. And uh, as you see the failure of uh, God's people, into the 70 years of exile, you begin to understand, oh my goodness, this was a serious problem. And uh, so we need to hear that, we need to listen to it. I, I like what you said when you sit in, with the information and you just, so you don't just read it and go on, you sit there and listen. Yeah, you let it settle with you to yeah. try to understand it. Exactly, very mm -hmm. good, excellent. Ryan? Yeah, well, today we read about how the disobedient Israelites ran to Egypt to get away from the Babylonians. But I'm actually not going to be commenting on that aspect of it today. Instead, I want to focus on what often comes into our mind's eye when we think about Egypt, and that is pyramids. And while it's true that pyramids have become synonymous with Egypt, the fact is that there are pyramids and similar-like structures found all over the world, and many of them are very highly engineered, a fact that disturbs those who believe our ancient ancestors were more primitive beings. So what we're going to do in this segment today is take a quick tour to some really interesting places to see some of these structures and also try to answer the question of why. Why do we find such common structures all over the world? Although pyramids have become synonymous with ancient Egypt, Excavations have revealed that there are a great number of pyramids, ziggurats, monuments, and mounds, as well as other megalithic structures all over the world. And like Egypt, many of these structures are highly crafted and quite similar. For example, Mexico is home to several pyramids, many of which are astronomically aligned. Three in particular seem very reminiscent of those on the Giza Plain. Indeed, just as at Giza, three principal pyramids have been built at Teotihuacan, namely the Pyramid or Temple of Quetzalcoatl, the Pyramid of the Sun, and the Pyramid of the Moon. And like their Egyptian counterparts, they too seem to be astronomically aligned. Interestingly, the Pyramid of the Sun contains many similarities to the Great Pyramid of Giza, including very similar dimensions. Another strange similarity between the Mexican and Egyptian pyramids is that they were both seen as gateways or portals to the other world. Also reminiscent of the Giza Plateau are three pyramid-shaped hills in Italy which are aligned with Orion's passing on the summer solstice. Fittingly, this area near Milan is known as the Italian Giza. And according to Don Landis, in China, though reports were first denied, a series of 16 pyramids, also astronomically aligned, has been confirmed. 
In fact, some archaeologists believe there could be up to 100 pyramids in China, with a legendary White Pyramid rumored to be 1,000 feet tall. On the African island of Mauritius, there have been seven pyramids identified. These are paralleled with pyramids found on the island Tenerife, on the opposite side of the continent. Pyramids and pyramid-like mounds have also been found in such places as Spain, Sudan, Greece, and North America. However, there are other types of mounds and monuments around the world not in the form of pyramids. Nevertheless, many of these are also highly crafted. For example, there is the Great Serpent Mound of Adams County, Ohio, which is a 3-foot-high, 1,330-foot-long effigy mound in the form of a serpent swallowing an egg. It too has astronomical importance. Interestingly, several of these so-called effigy mounds have been discovered in various places. Another kind of ancient monument is the obelisk. Obelisks are tall, narrow, four-sided pillars topped with a small pyramid and were originally carved from a single piece of rock. Apparently, these also had some astronomical significance. Certainly, henges, another type of megalithic monument, were of great astronomical significance. Though Stonehenge is the most famous of these structures, these stone and wood circles exist beyond England's borders, in such places as Egypt, Israel, Sweden, Brazil, and even America. Not only do these ancient monuments testify to the intelligence of their builders, but their similarity in form and function hail back to a common place of origin. This is Babel. So while similar building structures all over the world may pose a mystery for secular researchers, this fits right in with biblical history. The Bible records in Genesis 11 that sometime after the global flood, the people disobeyed God's command to spread out and fill the earth by establishing a one-world government at Babel instead, and building a great tower, possibly for false worship of the starry hosts. Now God, of course, wouldn't have it, and so confused the languages there, which caused the people to scatter all over the globe. But they didn't stop building, as history and archaeology has revealed. Many continued in their erecting of monuments to their false gods. So Genesis explains why we find very similar structures with similar purposes all over the world. Now I'm out of time for right now, but if you're interested in further study on this topic, then I recommend the documentary I did on this called 30 Out of Place Artifacts, which you can get through the Bible Discovery Ministry by phone, mail, or online at our website at BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Thank you, Ryan. BibleDiscoveryTV.com. Janice? The Word of God Stands. <clears throat> this is a very interesting chapter where the Israelites are going to be punished in Egypt. And God makes some, some statements here right off the top. And it says, they have not been humbled. And he's talking about his people, the people that have made a covenant with him to follow him and to follow his uh, commandments and his statutes and his laws. They have not been humbled to this day, nor have they feared. They have not walked in my law or in my statutes that I set before you and your fathers. Now, I want to make a statement here off the top, which I should have done before I even got this far, in that God has given his word, the Bible, to us to know, but more than that, to get it into our hearts. Because what is in our hearts when we become under pressure, that's what's going to come out. That's what we're, that's what we're going to see. When we're under pressure, the things that are way deep down inside of us is the way we're going to react. And so we need to not only know God's word, but get it into our hearts and put it into practice. When we live our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a process of walking with him every day. And it's only through the help of God's Holy Spirit that we can do that. We can't do that on our own. So let's get back to 
to here. God is saying that they, they've not walked in his ways. They've not um, followed his statutes and his commands. In fact, the men come to Jeremiah here and they say this to him. As for the word that you've spoken to us in the name of the Lord, we will not listen to you. They basically go on and make excuses saying, you don't think that we knew that our wives were offering sacrifices to other gods and that there were other women standing around? We knew what they were doing. And then the women, they chime in and they, they start saying, you know, and then we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out drink offerings to her. Did we make cakes for her to worship her? We poured out drink offerings without our husband's permission. We did all this and we're going to keep doing that. And I just think, you know, they, they had... They used their words against God. They had been very prideful and very arrogant, very rebellious against God and, and God's words. And um, it says here in verse 20, Then Jeremiah spoke to all the people, the men, the women, and all the people who had given him that answer. And then he goes on to talk about what God will do here. And I want to jump down because God confronts them with their own words. Our words are very important, the words that we speak. He confronts them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, You and your wives have spoken with your mouths and fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely keep our vows that we have made to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven, pour out drink offerings to her. And God says, You will surely keep your vows and perform your vows. God says, You are going to do what you say you're going to do. And verse 28, it's amazing. Yet, it says, a small number, this is God who's talking, who escaped the sword shall return from the land of Egypt to the land of Judah, and all the remnant of Judah who have gone to the land of Egypt to dwell there shall know whose words will stand, mine or theirs. And later on, God says, my words will surely stand. This is what this ministry believes, that the word of God is the word of God and the word of God stands true. We need to not only know it, that's why we encourage you to read it daily, but to get it inside of our hearts so that we can be a demonstration of who God is in us and through us. It's his strength, not ours. Today we need to pray, and as we do so, we've followed up the prayers that we've already listed on the screen. But let's pray together, you and I. Father, I pray today that you would help us to know who you are. And if people are listening, don't know you, come into our lives, forgive us of our sin. We know you died on the cross and rose again, and we need you in our life. Give us a new life, give us your Holy Spirit, and help us to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.